Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From a Full Cup. Today, I'm so excited to have with me Cara Hawkins. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Natalie. Thank you. Cara, can you please introduce yourself to the listeners in your own words, and then we will get started. Sure. So I'm Cara. I'm a mind-body coach and creator of the Cohere Network. Through my coaching, I focus on helping women build self-trust and live life that or create lives that feel as good as they look on paper. And Cohere is a professional network of purpose-led women that focuses on nourishing the individual as well as the businesses. And I'm launching launching that later this month. So I'm super excited. That's so exciting. A life that feels as good as it looks on paper. Yes. Yes. Why not? Right? Because so many people have Really good looking papers, really good credentials. Even the Instagram, the social media looks so good, but then inside they don't feel that same level of fulfillment. And I think it's so important to be true to ourselves and have, uh, you know, that meaning inside as well. So I love that. All right. So let's get started. You know, Cara, your title is a mind body coach or one of your titles. And I'm really intrigued. Can you tell me what is a mind body coach? Yeah, sure. So in both my personal and professional experience, I've observed and learned how connected the mind and the body are. But in society, we generally focus on the rational and conscious mind. So the way I coach brings in the whole being. And there's so much wisdom in the body, which not in an airy-fairy way. I mean, Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, which have both been around for thousands of years, our traditional medicine systems that have recognized this for a long time and modern science is starting to focus on it too. But in a coaching sense, say that you've done everything you've been told you quote unquote should do in life. You've done all the quote unquote right things and you're deemed successful by society, but you don't feel like yourself as you just mentioned. You might be feeling exhausted or in burnout cycles or have coping mechanisms say around food or alcohol, shopping, and feel like something's not quite right or something's missing. And techniques that only focus on logic will just look at that piece of paper. So it'll come possibly to a dead end or we'll decide that something's wrong with you, maybe even pathologically. We try and think our way out of it. But if we tune into our body, we might notice that, wow, okay, I'm constantly wired. My body feels really stressed. Um, We might notice that we, when we think about the activities that we should be doing, our body tenses up and it might be subtle it might be quite significant and it's not to say chuck everything away that makes you feel stressed but it's there's a lot of nuance to it and it's looking at really how we're feeling in our lives in our body not just what we think we should be doing and in our modern day and age with the pace that we live at the social expectations we have the environment we live in the structures often of society mean that we're very very disconnected from our bodies as well as from ourselves, as well as from nature, as well as from each other. So the first step is coming back to, in coming back to ourselves is reconnecting with the body. Because when we're connected to who we are, we have more self-trust, we have more self-confidence, we have less concern about external shoulds. And usually we make choices that are good for us, not from a place of greed or trauma, but that feel really good. And most of the time, as humans, we find meaning through creativity or helping other people so by extension, it's then very good for society and for the environment for us to be tuned into who we are, what feels good for us, and it's also better for our own well-being. So it all wow. starts with the body. <laughs> I I love 
everything about that. I, I, I just want to unpack that more. But at the same time, I just want to sit with all of the information because I feel like it really, it really aligns with uh, my philosophy on wellness. And I call it disruptive wellness, which is really pushing back against society's narratives of how we should live our wellness lives. And I, I think we talked about that just a little bit in messaging. And I think this idea of tapping back into our bodies as you said, we're so disconnected uh, from our bodies, even, th- and it's kind of funny because I mean, we move with our bodies every single day. It's, it's what's anchoring us. It's, it's what we can tangibly feel and see. So we should actually be more connected to our bodies than anything else because it's it's right there, right? Like your thoughts and you're in your brain, like you can't see, you can't identify those things. Um, but yet we're still disconnected from our bodies. So can you tell me a little bit more how, how have you found, whether through your training or through working with clients, like how are we disconnected from our bodies? That is a great question. I want to start this with how we're conditioned to think about our bodies. And this is very much, I think it does vary around the world and it does vary between cultures. And there are areas that have a lot more connection than others. But in general, we're taught that our bodies are something for us to control, something for us to shape, something that serves us, that needs to listen to the mind and do what the mind and the ego want, as opposed to something that you're a team with and that we need to listen to and look after because it is literally the vessel that we exist in in our life experience. And so changing our relationship with our body can change a lot about how we live our lives, but also how we think about how we connect with and look after ourselves. So a lot of us are operating in our heads and deciding what we want our bodies to be able to do, as opposed to tuning in and being like, okay, what does my body actually need right now? Not just, you know, from physical nourishment or movement, but the body actually has as I mentioned, a lot of wisdom about what feels right for you as a human, which no other person can tell you because it's different for everyone. Yeah, no, I think that is uh, so true. And I think we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, you know, even this week I was doing business training and that was one of the exercises was just seeing like if you want to develop an offer how does that feel like if you say I want to serve this group of people like how does it feel in your stomach how how does it feel in your hand like do you notice sensations and it and people like we don't really stop to think about that because if you're like oh this is the offer I'm going to put out and then your stomach is feeling hands or 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 maybe nauseous or or something like that then you're like oh your body's signaling to you no like this is not actually best choice for you this is not what I want to do but we kind of just, I don't know, swallow, take a breath and, and keep moving and, and kind of push past and resist those clues that the body's giving us. And I think tapping into that and saying, oh, let the, let the body guide you and say, no, like go a different direction. Or at the same time, it could be in a positive way. Like the body feels very calm. It feels very relaxed. Then you're like, okay, then this is the right environment choice for me. And I think there's also that element of, you know, it doesn't have to be a hard, how to say, the information that your body gives you is information. So you can explore it further if you want of, oh, okay, that feels really uncomfortable. What's behind that? Is it something I need to explore right now or want to explore right now? And you always have that choice as well. 
And you mentioned something before about swallowing it. And that's such a powerful visual for me because there's so much that we just swallow and, you know, put up with. And I can't remember the exact stat, but it's something between like 60 and 85% of diseases in the developed world are lifestyle diseases that are mostly stress-based, which is incredible of, you know, this is class as normal. Yeah, which is very sad because it's also preventable. Um, And if we would just tap in, but, but the good thing is, I guess we can make changes. Not, I guess we can make changes as well. Um, but it's just sad that it didn't have to happen in the first place. That's that's kind of what's going with that. So I was going through your Instagram page and I was looking at a post. You were talking about a past fear of flying. And, you know, that really stuck out to me. Um, stories stand out to you. And, you know, I love flying. I, I could fly every single day, except in turbulence. I, I don't like turbulence, but I do like flying. I do like traveling. But a fear of flying is actually a very common fear for many, many people, right? And and many people are never able to overcome it. So when you wrote that you were able to overcome it, I was like, wow, that like I want to know more about this because I think that is a story listeners could relate to. So I'd like you if you could share that story with us and maybe talk about that fear. What did it look like? What did it feel like in your body? And then how did you use mind-body tools to overcome it? Yeah, that's a great question. So the story is that I had pretty crippling anxiety growing up. It was actually undiagnosed PTSD. And I was moving around the world a lot as a kid, but we settled in Australia for a while when I was nine and the anxiety kept getting worse. And I was scared of the tiniest things. Um, And at some point that included flying, just would not get on a plane. And even getting on a bus felt like too much. So plane was just not even on the cards. And But when I was 18, my family moved to the Middle East. Well, I stayed in Australia for university. So it was either get on a plane and see them or don't. And there was a part of me that was very happy to be like, okay, see you in four years, guys. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> um, but I was also studying international affairs and Arabic. So, you know, kind of might need to go overseas at some point (laughs) and it was something that I still wanted to be able to do so when I was 19 I did get on a plane for the first time in a decade which I think made it a lot harder because I hadn't been on one for so long it felt quite different and foreign to me but also wasn't just one plane it was two 10-hour back-to-back flights plus another third one on top of that um, with my brother which was very lovely he Uh, put up with me and clenching his arm every time there was turbulence. And that was sort of the start of me being able to fly again. But there was so much more behind that of, you know, reaching the point where I could get on a plane. And really, I started working with this anxiety since I was 14, 15. Um, That included therapy, but also for me was yoga. And I started yoga to deal with the anxiety. And it wasn't just, you know, turn up to your sweaty vinyasa class once a week, although, you know, they can be great in different contexts, but it was very much the yoga as a whole. So there are eight limbs in yoga. I won't go into them, but essentially the practice helped me connect with my body, create some kind of safety inside myself and notice how stress was affecting my body because I was, again, so disconnected from it. I didn't notice, oh, doing these things or eating these things make me feel really wired. And then learning, okay, these are some techniques that 
can calm me down and that also gaining the confidence that I can do that for myself that was big and the other side is on the mind where I was able to notice okay I have thoughts that are scared I have thoughts that are very critical I have thoughts that are spiraling but they're not all of me they're not all consuming sometimes they were but I knew that I in some cases had the ability to step back from them which was also life-changing and it's not something that you know happened overnight as I said I've been working on this for four or five years before I could even step on a plane again and even then it was it was not fun but it was these small building blocks that led me towards that and I think yeah understanding your stress responses being able to bring a lot of compassion to yourself for building that inner safety in yourself and then being able to distinguish between you and the fearful thoughts in the mind which then also fuel the body um, were some really really helpful techniques and that meant that you know the year after I got on a plane I went on exchange to Abu Dhabi which had been again not even in my realm of reality before that and the year after that, I moved to Amman in Jordan uh, independently to immerse myself in the suburbs and talk to people and get to know the culture and the language better. And I went on 24 planes that year, which was not a good environmental choice, but um, it was, you know, again, this thing, I was able to keep building on it and do things that really excited me because I was able to manage that fear. Yeah, that's, um, you know, from not going on a plane for 10 years, to then going on 24 planes in in a um, a year or short or short period of time is really shows the power of the transformation. And I think that that's very encouraging to listeners, right? Because sometimes you feel like you've had this fear for so long and you're never going to be able to get over it. But like your story is a perfect example of, you know, you take it one step at a time. And maybe you wouldn't have been able to do those 24 flights right away. But, you know, it just takes doing that first um, flight first. And what I think is really important, though, is that you had to prepare yourself for the flight. It wasn't that just one day you got up and you're like, okay, I'm packing up, I'm going to go see my family, and I'm getting on the flight, and I'm just doing it. Sometimes, and I think there's a, a little bit of a difference between fear and anxiety. And so anxiety can be really crippling, and it's like debilitating. So it's not so easy to just make the decision to just get up and go, you really do have to work through some things. And so you talking about using yoga as a way to kind of create a space of safety within your own body. I think that's so powerful. And I've never, um, to be honest, I, I kind of have a not the best relationship with yoga, um, but it's more so because I'm just not flexible. <laughs> and so my body just doesn't do these things. <laughs> so oh, I've know, always. When I, so when I started yoga, I also, I, couldn't stand it. I was like, it's too slow. Why are we going so slow? I can't calm down. And I, even when I was doing my teacher training, like 10 years into doing yoga, I was still not very flexible. I'm just not naturally flexible. And my teacher was like, it's okay, because you will over time, very slowly you get more flexible, but you understand what it feels like to not be flexible. So you'll be able to teach those people in a different way because you understand where it was. So it was just those things that have helped me reframe that relationship because there are these, under, these impressions that you got to love it and you got to be super flexible. It's, that was not my journey. <laughs> well, that's good to know. So maybe maybe there's hope for me. The listeners will see. We'll see if it <laughs> happens. But um, nonetheless, just understanding that yoga can be a tool that, that people mm -hmm. use 
again, to connect with their bodies. I've just never really thought about it in that way. So it it's actually helping me open my mind to maybe more possibilities of yoga um, and other benefits for it. Um, and, and again, just kind of finding ways that you, as you said, prepared yourself for that experience. And then even when you went on the experience, it's not like you were like, yay, I'm going to fly all the time now. It's You still had to work through it more and more. But, um, you know, it's all about growth. And it's about having that openness to grow and the mindset and the willingness to say, okay, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm going to push past the discomfort a little bit because what I want on the other side of it, which in this case was to see your family, it is worth more. So I think that's a really good example for, um, you know, for the listeners and just for everyone to understand that sometimes you, you do put yourself in situations where you little bit by little bit build yourself to a place of safety, but safety is important. I think safety is, uh, yeah. I really, that word um, is sticking with me from what you said. So safety is important. And, you know, anxiety can be a very complex emotion to navigate. And I think it's very hard for people who don't have anxiety to understand what it's like, right? To put yourself in in the shoes of someone who does. But for those who do have anxiety, what are some practical ways that people can start to deal with it? And how do they even identify that they have anxiety? Yeah, look, that's a really great, great question. I work with a lot of people who do have anxiety, but I always say that when it's something like anxiety, or especially if it's diagnosed, then definitely work with a qualified therapist. The mind-body tools and techniques are super important and they're very helpful. And I've worked with a number of psychologists as well as clients because what I offer is different, but it's also complementary. So the therapy is really helpful and the mind-body tools can go alongside it. In terms of identifying it, we look at, again, the mind and the body. So if we start to notice the mind, you know, how fast is it going? Is it in the past, the present, the future? Anxiety is usually future focused. Um, is there an inner critic giving you a really hard time? Are there pressures and expectations that you're putting on yourself? And just beginning to notice what are the stories that you're playing to yourself in your mind? This is not at all like tools to diagnose yourself that, you know, needs a proper diagnosis, but just starting to be aware of what is my hypervigilant, am I hypervigilant? What are my levels of worry and stress as well? And then looking at the body is tuning into how is it feeling? And we can do an exercise on that soon, but just noticing, okay, how tense am I feeling? How wired am I? How, you know, on or how relaxed do I feel? And you can play an experiment with things like gentle yoga, walking outside, long, deep exhales, and just notice the difference that this makes on your body. I think that's self-awareness, but also just how you feel in yourself. If something's off, then you know, and you can feel it. And that's when you can also reach out for help. Yeah, I think that's great. And I, I love what you said, because I think therapy and 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 coaching, um, they go hand in hand, because I think one is more practical, right? Like I think coaching is giving you practical tools that you can use to help you. But therapy is helping you work through things from a, maybe from the mindset perspective and, and diagnosis is, is important as well. Um, and it's, it's, I always talk about this, but having a team of professionals that can care for you in different ways. So it's not one or the other, but they can be complimentary. You might need them at different points of time in your journey, but just the same way how we have, you might have a doctor, you might have a nutritionist, you might have a therapist, you might have a 
banker, you might have someone handling your estate. It's just different people that can help you care for your life and care for your well-being. So everybody has something different to offer. And it's always good to just inquire, right? Like even if you're, you're not sure, somebody might not be sure if they should work with you, but they can just send you a message and say, hey, like, I, I'm this is what I'm experiencing. Are are your services something that can support me? Yes or no. You know, sometimes like just reach out and, and ask because um mm-hmm. people who are in the service industry, especially people who are in anything wellness related, they want to help. Right. So if they can help, they will help. And if they can't, they'll they'll tell you and they'll try to point you in the right direction, is what I have found um a lot of the time. And um, you know, for someone who is feeling disconnected from their body, what is one thing, if they could only do one thing, what's one thing that they could do to come back to themselves? Mm. It would be just tune in. In this moment, how's your body feeling? We want to start small. The body holds a lot of wisdom, as I mentioned, but it can also hold a lot of emotion, which can be a lot. You don't want to necessarily open all that up in one go. So take it slow. And we can do a really, really short exercise if you'd like right now. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So don't do this if you're driving, operating heavy machinery, have knives or anything sharp around, like make sure you're safe to relax if you're going to do this along with us. But what we want to do is just come into a comfortable seated posture. Close down the eyes if you feel comfortable or just relax the gaze and relax your shoulders. Notice your breath and see if you can begin to lengthen and deepen your exhales, just allowing the inhales to happen by themselves. Relaxing the face and the jaw and the muscles around and behind the eyes. Relaxing the belly, the hips and the thighs. And just allowing your whole body to soften and relax on every exhale. Observing where your mind is at, if it's busy, if it's in the future, and whether if on every out-breath you can begin to gather all those many points of awareness and bring them into your body and into this moment. Every exhale softens and deepens your awareness in this moment. I'm just checking in on how your body's feeling, just noticing and observing without judgment, just being curious, coming with a sense of compassion and seeing, is there anything that you can do for your body in this moment for the rest of the day? That will make it feel 1% more calm or more comfortable. Noticing if there's anything that comes back from that. And then when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes and come back to the present moment. Oh, that was great. I didn't want to come back, actually. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no, because I'm noticing things. I'm like, oh, yeah, the, my lower back is actually feeling like a bit tense. You know, my feet are feeling hot. So I'm like, OK, what's something I can do? I can take off my socks. Just little things. Right. But mm-hmm. I hadn't stopped to think. About, I just hadn't thought about it. 
Yeah. And it's hard to, you know, I mean, when you're doing your everyday life, you're not necessarily thinking about your lower back, your socks, your this, your that at the same time, because it's too much, but this kind of exercise and just taking, you know, a few minutes, a few times throughout the day to check in and be like, okay, where am I at? What do I need? Focus on that. Okay. Now we keep going so that you're breaking up the day a little bit, but you're still learning to have that connection to your body. And over time, it also builds a bit more awareness. So if something is off, you might notice it a bit earlier too. Yeah, I think this is fantastic for me because I think um, your process is very similar, but I think of things from the mindset perspective and I think I've been disconnecting the body. And so this is really helping me to realize, no, I need to integrate the body and centigrade and center the body more in in even my own uh, wellness uh, practices. But um, I, I have learned a lot here. And, um, you know, if someone wants, they're curious about how they can use these My Body tools to support their wellness and their mindset, because it's all connected, but they might feel unhesitant, sorry, they might feel hesitant or they might feel unsure. You know, sometimes people think it's like woo-woo or, or whatever, what what would you say to them? Where What would you say to them? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think there are probably four things that you want to keep in mind when you're starting with this. The first is start small. Doesn't need to be big. Second thing is start with something that feels light and fun and easy to integrate into your day. If it feels ugh and heavy, don't don't even look at it right now. You want to start tuning into that inner yes. So something that lights you up and like, oh yeah, that could be really fun. This is also an exercise in building self-trust and learning to tune into, oh, what does my body say? Where is that inner yes? So go with what feels good. The third thing is, and I think this is really important in any industry, but stay away from fads, quick fixes, hugely expensive trademark techniques or products or anything that sounds excessively complicated because the most effective things, especially for the foundations, are very simple and very accessible. And the last thing is if you do choose to work with someone, make sure it's someone that you feel a level of trust and comfort with. So if you feel pressured by them to commit or to do particular things, or if you just don't feel like you gel, that's okay. Find someone that you can feel safe with because your relationship with your practitioner is so key to how effective your outcomes are. Yeah, I know that uh, those are really great tips. Again, that, coming back to that word of safety. And uh, Cara, before we close on the show, one of the primary aims is to encourage women to prioritize their well-being, to pour back into themselves, to honor their needs, and just to have more open conversations about wellness journeys. As a wellness coach myself, and I mostly support uh, solopreneurs, I see a lot of nuanced experience, uh, nuanced experiences that entrepreneurs are going through. And sometimes it can be a lot and people feel like they're all alone in these experiences, but it's not true. And so I want to ask you, um, as an entrepreneur yourself, have you ever experienced challenges that have affected your well-being? And if so, can you share one strategy that has helped you? Yeah, absolutely. So I always try and emphasize that, you know, while, while I have come far in my own personal journey, I still live this every day. There's no end point where you sit on top of the hill like, yes. I reached it. I'm this. I'm here. We like to think of everything as linear in the West. It's not. It's very cyclical. We're nature. Nature is cyclical. And 
So giving yourself a break for this, you know, where it's an evolution, it's this constant expansion and contraction, but at the same time, there's a deepening of wisdom the whole way along. So I fall down myself, but I try and learn each time. I often spend too much time in my head or I'm not resting enough and I need to pull myself back and reconnect and keep examining the conditions, but sorry, the conditioning that might be creating these outcomes or what I'm doing or not doing. So I think the strategy is really giving yourself permission to be human, giving yourself permission to have a break. Being human is amazing. We have such incredible capacity for love and for kindness, for you know what our brains can do, but we also have a body and a spirit that need nourishing and we sometimes forget that. And what you said about being alone or feeling alone in the journey, I think has been quite significant and something that I've found over time. And that has been a key driver of why I created the Cohere Network because I've seen so many other women in the same situation and being able to come together and find community, whatever that looks like for you, giving yourself a break, letting yourself be human, let yourself make mistakes and find that supportive community, I think goes a long way to creating a much more enjoyable and healthy journey in entrepreneurship. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. And and again, there's all these words that are sticking with me, but one is examine, explore. So I think it it plays to curiosity. You have to be curious about what your body is telling you and curious just about the experiences you're going through and and just dig a little deeper and and try to connect dots and and just say why right like just ask why is this happening why is this coming up for me and and give yourself self compassion and realize like it's okay whatever i'm feeling is okay whatever i'm yeah. feeling is okay and having a lot of compassion for yourself in knowing that the progress is not linear so if we go back to uh, the flying example it wasn't like okay now i'm fine with flying i got on 24 planes a few years later i went to the us and i was still quite anxious about flying i didn't love it i had tools and techniques but i didn't enjoy it and on my way back i was at a stopover in san francisco and i decided that i was like okay my focus is going to be i'm going to find a chocolate chip cookie and I'm going to be okay. And Mm. I wandered so far throughout the airport that I was out of the zone where they were calling my name for having missed the flight because of in my anxiety, I'd misread the time Uh of my flight. I missed a transatlantic flight because I was looking for a chocolate chip cookie (laughs) because I was trying to manage my, my inner state. And Mm. so it was, you know, I could laugh at it. It wasn't fun at the time, but it was also this thing of, okay, well, you know, I've still got, I can still continue growing and working. It's not like, okay, now I'm just, it's all good. Um, There's always this maintenance, there's always this growth and there's always these other layers. So if you do fall back in whatever way, I mean, again, it's like coming back to, you know, let yourself be human and let yourself grow in cycles. Yeah, I I couldn't have said it better. Um, This has been such a fantastic conversation because so many things that you've talked about are just things I I truly believe and and you've brought up new things that I haven't considered before. So I can't wait to just go back and listen to this conversation because I myself am learning. So this has been great. And Cara, I just want to, um, this is, you know, your time. I, you know, I want you to tell the listeners how they can find you, how they can learn more about what you offer. So please go ahead and promote yourself. Oh, sure. Thank you. So yeah, you can find me at Cara E. Hawkins with a K uh, on Instagram or at cohere.network. And 
Also, the website is www.carahawkins.com.au. And I'm launching this network at the end of the month, which I'm really excited about. And it's online, so it's international because I've had an international upbringing and I love bringing people together from across the world. So looking after ourselves as well as supporting our businesses. Which is so exciting. And so all of those links will be in the show notes. So please go check them out and go follow Kara. And I know that you are going to learn and grow and just be supported in your journey. So Kara, thank you so much again for being on the show. And folks, until next time, continue to serve yourself, your loved ones, and your communities from a full cup.